Hey folks, uh, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, your ambassador of common sense, and today I'm back with... Dan, the ambassador of nonsense. Hello everybody. Uh, back from a uh, nice uh, cruise, taking a break there. Long break. <laughs> yeah, well the cruise was only a week, but then... Uh, yeah, we came back and my wife got this, I don't know whether it was a, a flu or, or uh, uh, some kind of infection or what, but she spent like like six days, 24 hours a day. She did not sleep more than, you know, like a few minutes of dozing at a time because she was constantly coughing. Hmm. So. My wife got the flu too. Yeah, is, was it a flu that, I mean, was it, I don't even know if it was a flu that my wife got. She did but... have the flu. She did confirm oh, okay. the flu. And yeah. uh, I said, well, okay, go upstairs to bed, quit bugging me. Yeah, my wife tested negative for the flu twice. So, could have think... still been. Oh, well. People get sick. Yeah. Anyway. So, so now I'm back. And, uh. uh... Jason and I covered. What did we cover? We we did a bit on abortion, mm-hmm. and and then we. Uh, I don't re- I don't even remember what we talked about. <laughs> oh well, must not have been that memorable. Must not have been that important. Um, and and we we given him a new title. Oh really? The, the ambassador of common nonsense. Common nonsense. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> I guess that works. Okay. We're, we're going to talk about other religions today. And, uh, you would think that this is all coming from what the Pope recently said, but I will state first that we were going to do a podcast, uh, eventually about this. And what it stemmed from was that a a family member uh, has joined a little cult and in the way he saw Catholics was that we worship um, like false gods, like like we worship the scapular, things like that, and and pray to the dead, things like that. And uh, he had some really... stringent um, ways of dealing with anything that was Catholic in in that, you know, you can't come into my house with, with wearing a scapular because that's, that's demonic and uh, it's not allowed to be around me or I don't know, but it, it just got me to thinking, okay, let's say I really thought that, that, that other religious items are actually demonic and what should be our response to things like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had planned to do a podcast, and I'm not even sure what to call it yet, but uh, that was the idea. And then Pope Francis recently uh, had a little, another little blunder, and uh, so we're, I guess we're gonna, we'll start with that. Yeah, he could because it kind of uh, introduces the uh, the broader um, question of of you know as Catholics, how should we view other religions? Um, if if a religion is false, for example, in the sense that it it uh, doesn't acknowledge and worship 
what we think of as the one true God. You know, we, we use that phrase. Um, right. But another religion, for example, might have a concept of a single deity, for example. But, you know, it might be in a sense monotheistic, but doesn't recognize that God as having all the attributes of our God. Well, okay, so in, in a certain sense, it's not the one true God. But is every religion that fails to uh, acknowledge the one true God necessarily demonic? And if they are or are not, if they're not demonic in that case, how do we view them and how do we relate to them? And then, you know, that also begs the more specific questions in our interaction with people in the kinds of, uh, say, rules we set up in our house. Um, you know, how far do you take it? Is is every symbol that's associated with any religion other than Christianity something that you should just put up a barrier and exclude from your house? Uh, you know, if, if, if you have a friend who happens to be a Hindu, maybe a believing Hindu, they have one of those tattoos on their heads, uh, you know, uh, Hey, that tattoo is a religious symbol of a false religion. You can't come in my house with that. Uh, you know, do you take it that far? So, yeah. So let's, let's start with what the Pope said and what (laughs) he didn't say. Yeah. Do you have a quote pulled up by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let, let's hear it. Okay, here we are quoting the English translation of what he said. I don't know oh, which well, relation. Well, let's, let's which... clarify this, because uh, this isn't something that he said in, in the sense of, like, he's giving an interview and he says this. This is a joint document, a joint declaration that he signed along with some major Islamic leader over in the Middle East. I did not know that right? part of oh, it. Oh, you didn't realize that? Okay, yeah, that's what that's what this actually is, and that's why, in a sense, this has absolutely zero ecclesial meaning. There's, there's this document represents absolutely no standing whatsoever within the church, and yet, when when you know when our listeners hear what's actually in the document that the Pope sat down and signed with a leader of another religion. Um, I think it'll become clear why it's still very problematic for the Pope to have done this. Okay. Um, so what he said is the pluralism and diversity of religions, color, sex, race, and language are willed by God in his wisdom through which he created human beings. Yeah. That's the troublesome quote and it's kind of it's one of those it's it's almost like it's constructed to make people in especially in the modern age um who who don't like um making distinctions afraid to disagree with it It, it's it's because you say well i don't agree with that what you don't you don't think god created the two sexes or you don't think God right. willed for us to have different, you know, skin colors and so forth, you know. It, but but the problem is the insertion of, you know, religion, which is fundamentally different than all those other categories that were listed. Yeah. In the sense that religion is the 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 human choice. It's the exercise of our free will to and and ultimately fundamentally we know. That, that we were given free will for the purpose of being allowed to accept God 
or to reject God, but that's why we have our free will. So if the multiplicity of religions is the exercise of that free will in very specifically accepting or rejecting God as he revealed himself to us, then how do we say that it's God's will that various people be in a religious state of rejecting him? Yeah. At the very base of this, we have the fact that God is truth, and he mm-hmm. only wills truth. Right, right. He never wills falsehood. Uh, now, he allows it sometimes, though. He And, and there's even a, a, a formulation that the church uses. He, he wills to allow falsehood. In, in the choices of humans, you know, and, and we, we talk about that with regards to evil as well, which, you know, a, a, you know, following a false religion in the sense that it leads one away from God is an evil. So we say God wills to allow evil, but he does not will evil. And, and it's, it's, it sounds like, you know, some people think of it as a distinction without a difference. No, it actually has a very big difference. Um, and, and that difference is the mystery of human free will. Yeah. And, you know, specifically in the way he stated this, we're not talking about, say, the, the passive will of God, and we're not talking about what he allows. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, The way it's worded is willed by God in his wisdom. Mm -hmm. And which wisdom is that? The one through which he created human beings. Yeah. So we're... Great. (laughs) So what's she getting excited over? All right. Someone's outside. I think the boys are outside with their friends, and she's just sitting Mm -hmm. there barking at them because she can't stand for anyone to be in our yard. <laughs> but um okay okay so, so the where wisdom was I? It, we're talking about active will of god yes this is this is the the yeah the the wisdom uh in which or through which he created human beings uh this is an act of his creation um and therefore as if he it, himself created other religions right 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 that's that would have to be the the uh the understanding of this statement taken at face value yeah which is uh false it's just it's not the case mm-hmm. right incorrect and um i don't know you you would think he would know better than to uh put his name on something like this but uh i what do you do it, it yeah it yeah, is what I, it is i <laughs> I know it, it, it's a. What do you do with with a pope like this? What do you do when when you know? Uh, obviously, you, you you have to acknowledge his juridical authority within the church, but but you know you see stuff like this, and it's like everything he says becomes suspect. It, it's it's kind of like having, um, you know, this pope is kind of like having a calculator that uh, that that you have to go and and do all the math by hand to check the cal- the results of the calculator with. Well, with this Pope, everything he says, everything he does, you have to go back and compare it to the uh, tradition of the church 
and then you find out what the tradition of the church is, and then you say, well, to the extent that, that the Pope is just reiterating that, then okay, I accept that, but I didn't need it because I've got the tradition of the church so far, and to the extent yeah. that he seems to be diverging from it, I have to just ignore it and think of it as the personal opinion of a Pope and not as any kind of church teaching. Yeah. So, I mean, this Pope is kind of like placing himself outside of any sense of organic development of church teaching. You know what I mean? Right. The thing is, I mean, when when he first became the Pope, we had gone through a history of the press taking everything, both Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict, everything they said and pulling things out of context and trying to make it mean something it didn't mean. Yeah. And so we got into the habit of seeing someone report something. Well, the Pope said, uh, contraception's okay. And then, um, and then we, you know, go we would go back and read it. No, he didn't of, well, say no, he that. didn't even at all say that. It wasn't even close. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so we just, got in the habit of doing that it, to the point where I didn't even look up what he said. I just knew they were wrong. Yeah. And now we've yeah. got this new Pope who would say things that could very easily be misinterpreted. And little by little, I started to realize, no, the Pope really did say that. And yeah. um, on, on another popular podcast, they called it red pilling and referring red. to the, uh, the Matrix. Oh, red. Yeah, yeah. When okay. he decides red between pilling. the two pills, and and it's like suddenly you're shown the truth, and you realize the truth, and you take everything in context with the truth, or you could keep taking the blue pill and living the lie. Right. So right. we've kind of been red pilled on Pope Francis and what he thinks and the way he talks, and it, it is what it is, and there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, we just pray that uh, he doesn't do anything drastic that would. I, I don't even know yeah. how to express well, that because, in our belief, in my belief system, he can't. He cannot he change. Can't, right. He he wouldn't the, be able to change the teaching, but he can sow a lot of confusion. Right. Yeah. Um, which he has. You know, that's right. Right. So. Okay, so we've got this statement, and and it, you know, hopefully it has caused some confusion in uh, the minds of Catholics. And the reason I say hopefully is, um, uh, of course, the Catholics who haven't seen the statement they wouldn't be confused. But but hopefully most Catholics recognize the the falseness of that idea that God wills these different religions to exist. That that. Um, uh, that somehow he wants some people to be other than Catholic or other than Christian. Um, yeah. And that to, to, to cause them to think, wait a minute, what, what's going on here? And so uh, while taking that statement as it is and just recognizing it for what it is, it's a heresy, nothing to do with it but call it that and then set it aside. But what is the view of other religions and I think that um, not just this recent episode with the Pope, but I think ever since Vatican II uh, in the dogmatic, uh, was it the a dogmatic constitution or was it just a, uh, 
just a constitution on on uh, uh, other religions that uh, on you know non-Christian religions that uh, the uh, church developed during Vatican II that itself contained a little bit of uh, perhaps confusion. Yeah. Uh, it, and, and, and we spe- had other things like when Pope John Paul II uh, went, didn't he go to a, a mosque and, and pray with the Muslims, something of that nature? Yes, yes. And I forget. I don't know if he prayed with them. I mean, he, and, you know, that's one of those things where he might go into the mosque. He might say a perfectly good Catholic prayer, maybe for the conversion of the Muslims who visit that mosque. I don't know. You don't know what I don't know what he right. said. Um but uh, that's a, um, you know, kind of, uh, it's one of those it's things kind of that, those that, that people might interpret it. And... Yeah. And, a, a, you know, you might, one group of people might interpret it as saying, hey, look, see, it's okay to be, you know, non-Christian. Even the Pope prayed with Muslims or something like that. Mm-hmm. And other people might say, wait a minute, you're reading far too much into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get that, um, and it's then not there's... like with Pope Francis where you're forced to choose one of those two pills. Uh, uh right, right. You know, it's, it's one of those things that could still be called innocent. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, but all the same, it did kind of cause some confusion or, at least it got people talking and you know there are there are traditionalists who pointed to that and uh just got out of control this is uh heresy this is um i don't know abandonment of the catholic teaching and things like that um and then there were most of us who just said well i don't know it's he prayed that's all we know Mm-hmm. but um it does and here's the thing when we talk about other religions i think it probably is necessary to separate what we're talking about um between some I, there is a difference between say another christian religion and uh islam we can't really treat those as the same thing. And then further separating, um, you know, something like uh, Hinduism or Buddhism or even uh, satanic oh, religion. Oh, right, right, right. That's, yeah. That Well, and see, that's, that's I think, one of the things that's important to uh, note is the, um, yeah, you, you do have a, there's a, I guess a difference of relationship to Christianity in various religions. And then there's this concept of something like Satanism, uh, a religion, uh, regardless of how well they understand what they're doing. Uh, the religion is founded on a fundamental rejection of the original creator, the, you know, the, yeah. uh, God, God as the creator. Okay. We're going to reject him in favor of Satan, uh, a creature of God who rejected his own creator. And we're going to join that rejection of the creator. You know, if that kind of a, a, uh, 
a sort of a fundamental um, outlook. I, I think I think that stands apart from almost all the other world religions. I don't think there's any of the major world religions that can be said to be in that camp, right? Uh, of Satanism. At, uh, one of the things, though, about Satanism is that. Um, <clears throat> If you're a Catholic and you hear or talk about Satanism, um, your idea is of a group of people who actually worship uh, the fallen angel. Right. right. And they, if you talk like to Catholic one of them, of that that's not what it is. Their, their understanding of their own religion is not one of worshiping a a demon but of rejecting god and it's only the rejection of god that they stress they stuck satan in there to show uh more or less mocking it's it's supposed to mock the catholic rituals and ah okay it's more or less worship of humanity not necessarily i think the vast majority of Satanists don't actually believe in Satan. Okay. Oh, which begs the question, do, do they actually believe in God? I don't know. They don't. Most of them. There are those, so, there are those, you, you remember uh, in the, in the early ages of heavy metal, there were these quote, satanic groups, these teenagers who were doing these things and, uh, supposedly worshiping Satan. I think that's in a different class. Okay. As an organized religion, Satanism simply rejects God, and that's all. Okay. Okay. And the rest is supposed to mock what we do. So, so, it, so there's the rejection of God, and and their fundamental. Um, their their binding sense of ritual is simply to to do everything they can to mock everything that's done in the name of God, right? Which is which also leads to any kind of cruelty that 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 they might get away with perpetrating and so yeah. forth. Okay. Yeah. Which, yeah so I guess sense. there's in practice there's not a whole lot of difference, but. Uh, it's one of those things that you sh- if you're going to talk about it, you should at least point that out. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, yeah. The, the, um, it, it's always good to, to know what you're talking about um, and not to blur distinctions. Satanism itself, uh, both, uh, you know, those who may be dedicated to, you know, the, the, the true Satan figure of Christianity, as well as those, uh, who simply reject uh, God, believing in God, and even those who reject even, uh, maybe they don't even believe in God, but they just reject everything that that anybody associates with belief in God. Um, that's that's kind of like one class of religion all by itself. Almost all the religions that developed in uh, the world, um, with, with very few exceptions, um, at least are based on some kind of attempt to give an appropriate response to what is given to us, to humanity, by 
God, the gods, this God, that God, whatever. Um, yeah. So there's there's that you know sense. There's there's a there's a sense of uh, of you know we owe the gods uh, because they gave us. There's a sense of uh, often gratitude to the gods um, or to God. Um, and to the extent that, that the, the religions believe in a ongoing, um, interaction with the gods, this, this idea of, uh, of a God, um, who is involved in his creation, um, you know, this, I, you know, an idea of, of petition and, 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 you know, asking for things, um, right. Almost all the major religions uh, have some kind of idea here of that. The, uh, another, maybe kind of a, an exception that stands off is this this Buddhism, which is kind of this. Um, uh, you can almost think of it as a quasi religion. It's not. It's not a, really a religion in that sense because it's more of just a uh, a way of thinking about life. Um, more of a, a philosophy, but. Um, at the same time, a, a philosophy in practice as opposed in yeah. theory. And it's, it's a, a, but it's a metaphysical philosophy. So it makes assertions about the metaphysics of the world that themselves are fundamentally incompatible, incompatible with uh, Christianity. So for example, yeah. you can't say, well, I'm, I'm religiously Christian, but I, philosophically i'm a buddhist that that's that would be nonsensical right um so uh but anyway so that's so you've got these different religions and and all of this points to the fact that uh, when well jesus himself said that the laws of god are written on the hearts of man and it's a fact that it's part of the human nature to um know and understand that we come from somewhere and that that which we came from should be acknowledged and uh shown gratitude right right and in fact that's that's really that's really the catholic definition of of adoration when we talk about you know the the four principal uh purposes of prayer um adoration is the first one and that's that's it's it's adoration is a act of acknowledgement um so during vatican ii uh you know there was a, a lot of questioning going on about um about the work of missionizing and evangelizing people from other religions going into other lands where people you know may not be familiar with the gospel and and teaching them, uh, you know, about Christianity and, and so on and so forth. And Vatican II uh, came out with this document, and, and I, I should have prepared for this podcast by having it uh, pulled up in front of me so I could just quote from it directly. But it talked about uh, the idea of salvation and the availability of salvation to people in various states relative to Christianity. And the, the specifically, they were trying to give the right understanding of the Catholic Church's teaching that all salvation comes through the Catholic Church and that outside of the Catholic Church, there is no salvation. 
which is still a teaching of the church. And uh, I think I think there's a lot of misinformation. People think, oh, the church doesn't teach that anymore. Well, no, the church does still teach that. Um, however, the church has uh, clarified that in some ways by pointing out, and, and we can... We can give an initial idea of this by talking first about other Christian uh, religions, like say Lutheranism or, um, or you know, a Baptist religion or something like that. Yeah. And saying, okay, somebody who let's say they're Lutheran, okay, as as a Lutheran they get baptized, and the person who baptizes them, you know, they have a sense of church, and when they do the baptism, they are. Uh, they are acting to do what the church does. The church does baptism as one of its sacraments. And so somebody in the Lutheran church gets baptized and, and they're doing what the church does. So we say, well, that baptism is real and therefore it has certain effects. It, it you know, uh, takes away original sin. Uh, if the person is old enough to have committed actual sins, it removes um, the, the effects of those actual sins. Uh, on the person's soul, um, and it, you know, makes them a child of God. Basically, it puts them in a state of grace where, if they were to die at that point, they would be saved. Uh, even though right. that baptism came through, say, you know, by a Lutheran minister or whatever, and so therefore, we we say that these other Christian religions. Uh, although not fully united with the Church of Christ, which is the Catholic Church, they nonetheless share some kind of participation in the life of grace of the, of the Church. So somebody who's a Lutheran, uh, it would be incorrect to say that, that uh, being a better and better Lutheran uh, can get you saved. However, you could say that a Lutheran, uh, by virtue of being a poor Catholic, can be saved. So okay. that in, th in that sense, the salvation of those Lutherans who are saved is by virtue of their participation, even though they don't realize it, in the Catholic Church. And the same for every other Christian religion. So then the, the, the Church goes on to talk about uh, other religions and it's not so much about the other religions it's about the people uh, what it points out is this idea of what's called invincible ignorance so they consider the case of somebody who has never been evangelized has not been around people who are Christian has not had any opportunity to hear the gospel message and the church uh, in this document goes on to point out that uh, such a person might be saved. Now, here's where it gets kind of dicey, because if you take that and you make too much of it, you risk creating the impression that almost anybody out there could be saved just by, I don't know, do you know, being a nice person or whatever, I, you know, what, whatever it, it, it risks taking, allowing us to take our own concept of what it means to be a good human being 
and impose that as the condition for salvation, which the church teaches is, is not how God does it. So when we say they might be saved, that kind of creates a, a bit of a problematic um, area. So the best we can really do to interpret that is to say, okay, this person doesn't have baptism available to them. Uh, which, you know, is the normal way by which someone joins, you know, unites to the Catholic Church. But we can't necessarily put some kind of constraint on God and rule out the possibility that God might, through some invisible and extraordinary means, unite some other person with the Catholic Church who otherwise doesn't know anything about the Catholic Church. That's kind of, um, uh, and that's as far as we can take it. You know, we, we can't, we, we can't even assert that there are specific circumstances under which God does that. We can't even assert that we know God does do that. All we can say right. is that we can't limit God from doing that in our theology. And I think, uh, well, I don't know the point of having even, uh, put that in the Vatican too, but exactly. I That's think what at, I was at our up. stage, <laughs> what we can look at there, there is seeing that this was um, addressing the fact that you cannot put limits on God and you can't put limits on salvation. That's God's power. All we can do is understand what he, the laws that he gave to us and follow them because those laws are on people not on god and know that the path he gave us to salvation that's the only path that we absolutely know to be open to everyone and and that's the urgency of mission uh work is to make that path available to every person on earth yeah which you know, you you get into things like church history here, and um, we had this this Jewish people who were confined to a very small corner of the globe, and it wasn't until the Romans, who had spread out all over the globe, it wasn't until the Romans had occupied uh, Israel Jerusalem. that yeah, Israel, yeah that uh jesus christ came yeah yeah it's like so that uh, this could be spread all over the world through rome mm -hmm. right that's that's kind of part of the 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 providence of salvation history is is god arranged for for the fulfillment of all of the promises of the prophets for the the completion of salvation to occur at that point when uh the world was was primed through the the expanse of the Roman Empire, uh, to 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 carry this message everywhere, to carry the gospel right. everywhere, which it did. Yeah, yeah. When we talk about, uh, and I think the uh, the documents use the words invincible ignorance. Yes, and so that's a big word. That's a buzzword. You know, everybody's got invincible ignorance. Right. Um, 
let's talk about that in concerns with other Christian churches. So you're thinking like... Uh, so a Lutheran... Like, like uh, a Lutheran who, who uh, has no opportunity to, say, consider Catholicism? Yeah. Which would be kind of weird because almost everywhere... Lutherans and Catholics kind of, you know, exist together, but, um, but yeah, I could say like, like take an area where Catholicism is outlawed in favor of, of say Lutheranism, you know, we, I don't know if it ever was in any part of the world, you know, like in England, it was outlawed, you know, right. in, in favor, favor of Anglicanism, of Anglic- yeah. but, uh, but right. Yeah. Take someone, you know, who's raised in that, who never knows any different, who isn't taught anything about the Catholic faith. Okay, you know, and and the the thing is about uh, these Christian religions is, like I said, there's that point of baptism. Um, we know that baptism is a singular moment when a mark is placed on the soul that marks that soul as a child of God. The uh, original sin and all sins up to that point are removed. The, the guilt is removed. And that soul is in a state now where that person would go to heaven. Um, And that exists irrespective of invincible ignorance or anything else. Right. And so now very few people stay that way for a very long time. Well, that's my point that that person has salvation now and it's theirs to lose, which, you know, many would over, you know, the course of a few years of life, you, you know, especially in the modern world, so many uh, temptations, but so the Catholic church has this sacrament, uh, of penance, uh, confession, reconciliation, that's, uh, known by, you know, several names, but it's all, you know, it amounts to the same thing. It's this, this, uh, unburdening yourself of your sins, God taking that away from you. Um, just like in, in Psalm 51, blot out my offense It you know, kind of draw my offense um, Which would not you know, uh, be available to someone unless they were Catholic. Exactly. Well, I guess so, there's a couple other, you know, but uh, the but the Orthodoxes and, and, and right, right, yeah. The, the, there are some who have the the um, the Apostolic Succession and contain continue with that sacrament. But see that that's the that's the question. How would somebody else who's not Catholic uh, and who loses that state of grace, so to speak, you know, how would they have any reasonable surety of getting that back uh, without that sacrament? That's um, the the two paths that are most commonly talked about are are number one, it, it, having true contrition. I think that's the way it's worded. Yeah, the uh, being perfect sorry. Contrition. Okay, perfect contrition. Being sorry right. for your sins, not because you're afraid to go to hell, but because uh, you understand that you've offended God and you don't want to offend God and are sorry for that. In cases right. where confession is not available, that would bring you to a less culpable state. For your sins. Um, 
Right. Well, it, it not not. Yeah, I don't know if less culpable is the right word, but that's it's understood that that can restore you to grace. Okay. Um, so, and then the know, other part is, um, well, well, the other path is it, confession. In it, well, what do you know? But you've got, um, you go back to ignorance. This man sinned. He is sorry that he sinned. He doesn't want to go to hell, but he does not know about confession. Right. And then there's there's the question of, we almost should have just done a podcast on this. There's the question of what is ignorance? If you're raised Lutheran and you wholeheartedly believe every part of that religion and some joker comes up, starts talking about uh, the Catholic Church and about what you can do and what you should do, um, it, it it's not abnormal to just kind of reject that wholeheartedly and not even to give it really the any space in your mind to make you question what you've always known to be true. That's true, and so that's that's does is is your ignorance considered um, invincible then? Um, because absent... I I've heard a lot of people say, well, no, I he knows about the church, it's in the news, we're everywhere. And he's been oh, told right, by right. his old grandmother that if he didn't go to confession, he was going to go to hell. So he's not ignorant. But hearing something is not knowing it. And is the ignorance right. extended to what we know or simply what we've been told? Well, if you consider that faith itself is... This kind of gets into a, a, a uh, an area of, of mystery because faith itself is, um, in the sense that it's it's the response of our of our spirit to uh, the revealed truth of God. It's also a gift of God, um, right? You know, as as one of the theological virtues, um, you know, we we. We will to firmly believe, but God gives us the will of being able to do that. So somebody who is handed the truth, but uh, you would say has no reason to give that any consideration, you know, no reason in terms of their earthly life. Right. Does that mean that for reasons that only God knows, God is withholding the gift of faith from that person does that constitute invincible ignorance or does that constitute a rejection of faith? You know what I mean? I, that right. That's one of those. That's that's I think that goes to why we are so uh, why we have such a, a an obligation to be able to give reasonable explanations for things and why we have an obligation to be willing to engage people. Um, it's kind of like St. Paul says, you know, be ready to give a defense of what you believe. Right. Um, I remember uh, as a young teenager, uh, mom sitting me down and saying, you you have to learn this. You, I need you to learn this. And I'm like, why do I have to learn this? I'm Catholic and I'm not rejecting it. Who cares? But, <laughs> you know, later on in life, suddenly that's 
uh, it's going to be uh, challenged. And in my head, it didn't matter if it's challenged because I'm not going to fall for it. But it's not just about what we fall for. It's about what we can show to other people. Right. And right. of course, if 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 you can't show it to someone else, eventually you will begin to question it. Well, that's true. Yeah, especially, you know, and it's one thing, you know, if if you um if you know why you you believe something in spite of, you know, this or that uh challenge to it or whatever. Um okay, you know, that that could be one thing. Um but yeah, if even if you somehow know it but uh feel like you can't put it into words, uh there's going to eventually be that point where you know, you say, "Okay, wait a minute. If I can't put it into words, do I really know it? If I can't uh if I can't kind of lay it out as an explanation, then do I really even understand it? And if I don't really understand it, what am I doing? Right. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, I know uh, um, Protestants who used to be Catholic and um, they talk about their faith the way or they talk about the Catholic religion in a way that it's obvious they don't know anything about the Catholic religion. And uh, they're quick mm-hmm. to criticize the religion without knowing anything about it. And, um, you know, they, they call themselves recovering Catholics as if um, they were once lost and then they found the truth. And it's hard to make them see that they never did know the truth and they still don't know it because they never yeah. did learn their faith. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always, and they always say, well, I went to Catholic school for 12 years as if that means they did learn their faith. (laughs) Probably during those 12 years, the faith was, was hidden from them more so than from somebody who, who didn't go to Catholic school. (laughs) Yeah. It's a sad state of affairs, at least here in America. Catholic education is, 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 uh, if you want your kids to stay Catholic, don't send them to Catholic schools these days. I mean, that's right. unfortunately the. I, I think that's the reality in many parts of the United States, many dioceses of the United States. Yeah. Um, but you know that's that kind of brings to mind one of the what to me is one of the uh, one of the proofs I think of the Catholic faith, uh, and this goes, um largely for protestantism and most you know non-catholic brands of christianity but also for um non-christian religions and it's this that when you look at this this idea of conversion and you think of and, and you know you you hear these stories of people i i i don't know i don't listen to a lot of conversion stories um but uh, I think I hear more conversion stories of people who left the Catholic faith than who came into it. Yeah. But uh, but if you think of this idea of a conversion story, you could think of a uh, an idea, you can come up with this concept of a pure conversion story. And, and what I mean by a pure conversion story is one where 
the person in, in, in you know, is in a faith, in a, a belief, uh, a practice that they fully embrace, that they fully understand, and that they they really love. And then they find a greater fulfillment of everything that, that, that they love about their current faith in a different one or their current yeah. practice in a different one. And then they go to that as a greater fulfillment. Well, if you think that, that could kind of like be a pure conversion story. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the, the conversion story of, of St. Paul, for example. Sure. Um, and then you've got the impure conversion stories, the, you know, the, um, um, the rejection of the faith stories. You've got the, uh, you know, I want to live my life stories. You know, the people who are in a faith and then they decide, wait a minute, this faith doesn't allow me to live my life this way. I want to live my life this way. So I'm going to drop this faith or, gee, this faith asks me to believe these things. I have trouble believing these things, so I'm going to drop this faith and that kind of stuff. So you got people who, who were never yeah. really in their religion, or if they were in it, their life hit some kind of a bump that they said, well, gee, I, I would just rather be allowed to live my life this way than continue to follow the, you know, the, the religion that I've yeah. been following and so they leave for that reason. Now, here's An the thing that I, those. well, yeah, but here's the thing that I've noticed. There, I, I have yet to hear of one single pure conversion story away from the Catholic Church, from a Catholic to something that's non-Catholic. And yet there are hundreds, probably, I mean, probably tens of thousands, but, but you know, from, you know, what yeah. I hear you know, uh, dozens or hundreds of pure conversion stories into the Catholic Church. These are people who, who, you know, were really about what what they were doing. Most prominently Protestants, often Protestant ministers, and then and, and they're doing what everybody does, and 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 working to deepen their faith, working to continue to know God more deeply and to know His will in their lives. And then something causes them to suddenly realize uh, that there's this special place that the Catholic Church and the Catholic faith just kind of fits right into their lives. And it's like everything that they loved about their religion, there's just more of it in the Catholic faith. It's and, odd how many uh, Catholic, or Protestant ministers uh, will convert to Catholicism and... Mm -hmm how few Catholic priests will uh, leave the faith. And when it does happen, it's generally because of like uh, some woman they met and they want to marry or something of that yeah. nature. It's or, or just uh, falling into sin. And, yeah. you know, and, and that's my point. Every single person who leaves the Catholic faith falls into one of two categories. Either they don't really know the Catholic faith, and so, you know, they're, they're leaving something that they're, you know, they, they, they never even knew it in the first place. You can't yeah. count those for anything. Or they've discovered that they want to live their life some way. They've, there, there's some sin that has come up that they've decided, well, wait a minute, my Catholic faith doesn't let me do this, and my desire to do this is stronger than my desire, 
to stay true to the truth. And so they leave the Catholic faith. Yeah. Every single person who leaves the Catholic faith follows one in one of those two categories. But there are lots of people who fall, who come into the Catholic faith that fits neither of those categories for the, yeah. the faith that they're coming from. And, and to me, that's one of the, one of the big, uh, it's I guess, big tell. anthropological proofs of the truth of the Catholic, uh, church. Um, so that's, so we are so far off topic now. I know that's, <laughs> but, but, so what about, you know, you know, your personal life, your home, your household and, and, you know, so you're you know, out with, do you, op- uh, do you open your, your door to Jehovah's witnesses who stop by stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. You're out with friends and you say, go to a restaurant to eat and mm-hmm. it's a Baptist sitting next to you and he's. And oh, we're going to say prayers. Yeah. Do you pray with them? And but what if the same thing happened with a uh, Hindu? I think that's two different classes. I think it is. I think and it should is. have two different responses. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's. There's first of all, you you should have some way to discern. Who is praying to God and who is not? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 if they are praying to God, as in they believe that there is one true God, even if they don't understand that God the way uh, He really is, it, I would think it's okay to pray with them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. And I you, I you don't know actually... if that includes the Trinity or not. Well, what I what I would think of it is is this: it's it's um, if they, you know, you you for example, you don't have to do the thing like like joining hands around the table or something like that. Right. You, you know, you're gonna you say, well, you know, I I prefer fold, to fold my hands. This is how I pray. Right. Um, and, and then you can just silently say your prayer. The other way, if if uh, they're willing to let you lead, is that they're praying with you. Okay, so, you know, you could do something like that. Um, that's a lot, you know, when when we have uh, dinners at our house and, you know, like Terry's, somebody, Terry's family might be over or something like that and uh, they're not Catholic, we'll, we'll say grace and, you know, they, um, everybody's respectful during that time. Um, but yeah, if, if you're out with a group, you know, it can come, become kind of dicey. Okay, do, do you just quietly make the sign of the cross and pray, you know, um, I tend to do that, uh, in a way that's not kind of like in everybody's face, but that if anybody wants to ask what I'm doing, I can tell them. Um, right. Yeah. I had mentioned that I, I would go to these, uh, some men's prayer type meetings and, um, I, I would go ahead and join in the prayer. I mm-hmm. don't remember ever, having a situation where it, it's one of those deals where I cannot say the prayer you guys are saying, mm, mm-hmm, you right, know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. and of course these are Christians, so they do, uh, worship the Trinity as we do. But mm-hmm. when you get to something like a Jehovah's witness, you're no longer talking yeah, about it's a the little Trinity. bit different. Right. Right. 
So a prayer so, with a Jehovah's Witness would be just a little different. Yeah, it would be problematic, most probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say, yeah, we, we probably shouldn't pray with Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, we, we, we can invite them to pray with us, um, but uh, probably shouldn't be uh, praying with them. Which um, brings but, us you know, do to you, those do you other let them come two in groups. Your house, you know. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so, well, let's go over that real quick, though. Do we, I, I mean, do you let them come into your house? And then if you're getting ready to eat and they want to pray, I mean. Yeah. Do you, do you say, no, wait, you guys can't do your prayer. But I, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I, I think if you've you know, got for, a person who, does not understand God the way you understand God, but mm-hmm. still honestly seeks to understand God and honor God in what way he understands how. Um, it's not a, uh, you're not sinning by allowing them to do that in your house. Right. If they're, now, we should And you're not necessarily that, taking part in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I guess that that's the thing. If if somebody's religious rituals aren't some kind of explicit rejection of your god in the sense that the like 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 we talked about satanism as being sort of a a thing set apart. Right. Because what defines it is this idea of rejection of god. Um if it doesn't fall into a category like that, um I my own personal feeling is okay, uh, understanding that no, my household doesn't participate in your ritual, but if you need to do that ritual as as part of your act of sitting down to a meal or whatever, I'm not going to tell you get out of here. Right. Uh, now, and if you're some, talking to a Muslim who suddenly jumps up and says, "Oh, I have yeah, to do my," they yeah, do some they kind t- of thing. Take his mat somewhere. Yeah, they've got this thing. They got a bow yeah. to Mecca. I think I would probably allow it. Yeah, it's okay. Well, yeah, you, I understand you need to do your thing. And I might even, say, you know, afterwards say, hey, let's talk. I'm curious why you do that and try to lead that into a discussion of, yeah. you know, that, that, that may plant a few seeds, uh, you know, that, that can take root later down the road. But, um, yeah, that's, you know, I think we, we don't have to be uh, kind of sort of uh, we, we don't have to bring the hammer down even within our own house. We, we, we make it clear that our household is a house of the Christian God. Um, you know, we maybe have the crucifixes on our walls and, and stuff like that. The, the various sacred imagery uh, we say our prayers and we're very comfortable doing that. And anybody who's with us can join us, but, but we don't have to kind of like, like beat everybody who who's, uh, you know, who's, who's, who's not there yet. Who's right. still seeking, you know, they've got their own rituals yeah. or whatever. So that's, you know, that's, that's kind of my, my feeling about it. Um, and now, honestly, know, it, if somebody does bring up something though, uh, what's that about, um, there's an argument to be made, uh, which I don't necessarily hold that if you're talking to a Jew or a Muslim, uh, mm-hmm. they are worshiping the same God that you were, that you worship. They just don't know about the two persons, the other two persons of the Trinity. 
Oh, oh, yeah, that's, that's, I, I, I would argue a little bit about the Muslim part of it, but a Jew, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, fact, I, I would still say that, um, that it would not be good to actually pray with them. Oh, right. I see. What you, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I agree. I agree. I, I think that when it comes to, to praying with, you know, it should pretty much probably be, you know, restricted to praying with other Christians and and praying in a Christian sense with right. them. Right. And of course, I mean, you know, there's other, there are other things you could do, maybe not have to do, but I, I think it's respectful if, uh, okay, we're going to say prayers. This Jew obviously doesn't want to say prayers with us. Uh, can you give him a moment of silence or let him do his thing? Yeah, I, I kind of flip back and forth on oh, that one. Yeah, that's, I. you know, I, I'm kind of more of the, for example, if, if um, let, let's say I were somebody in that, that, you know, camp, I was, you know, going to be having dinner with somebody that I knew was, you know, not the same. You know, I have some ritual of prayer that I have to do before a meal. Okay. And there's somebody I'm going to be having a meal with and they're Christian. They don't do the same ritual. Um, I would probably find a way to satisfy the ritual in a way that doesn't disrupt the flow within their household. Right. Uh, personally. And and so my feeling is... slip out to my car for a second. If somebody is a guest in my house, um, he's, you know, if he hasn't figured out a way to do that, and if he feels like he needs a moment, uh, I expect him to ask me. Uh, and if he asks me, then I might say, okay, yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, we'll just be respectfully quiet while we're passing our food around, you know, something yeah. like that. Um, but that, you know, that, uh, but I, I, I don't think I need to necessarily make myself aware of his religious needs and then set up to accommodate them without him even asking. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then, uh, you were moving on to another topic. Um, not about, having them in your house but um i can't remember what i was gonna say now uh, we, we were, were ta talking we, about... we talked about like like jehovah's witnesses we're stepping away from that that common christianity that we share with protestants yeah so you've got jehovah's and the mormons i guess they don't believe oh, in the Trinity, yeah. do they uh no they don't they, do they not, think they... they do i think but they don't no. Uh, because because the Holy Spirit doesn't have any meaning for them. Okay. Because because the because Jesus is to them simply the firstborn of one of us. We're all basically brothers of Jesus as born. Okay. Well. No, I guess no. I think Jesus is like is like a brother of Adam. Like Jesus is the mm -hmm. firstborn in in flesh and bone of the Father. But Adam is the second born, and then we're all from Adam, or something like that. It's it's, I, I you know. Now, when it comes Mormonism to, is difficult. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to say having them in your house, um, 
and if they're wearing or, or carrying. See, I a lot of these religions, one of their big things is getting as far away from Catholicism as they can. And it's always Catholicism they're getting away from. And so most of them reject any sort of religious articles simply because that's what Catholics have. Ah, right, right. So if one had some kind of religious article with them, um, I don't know, I, I guess I would tolerate it. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I don't know a whole lot about the religion, but, uh, for example, there are a couple of guys uh, that I was working with up in Michigan uh, who were sheikhs, uh, which okay. is a kind of religion. And they're the guys, they wear the turbans, and uh, they don't shave their beards. Um, I don't think they cut their hair either. I, I don't know. But um, but I asked the guy, you know, one of them about it. And, and he said, oh, yeah, you know, we have this turban. And, and, and he said some of them have like a pre-made turbans they just put on. He prefers to actually wrap his every day. It's kind of a, a ritual. Um, and he said there were like five things that they do. And the turban is one. The not shaving the beard is one. And another one is like there's some kind of uh, a wristband they wear. So, you know, some kind of woven yeah. thing, thing around the room. Okay, so these are, are uh, articles of their religious practice. Okay, so he's wearing his, you know, you know, you know, you've invited some people from work over for a, I don't know, poker party or something like that. Um, I guess in one sense, if you had a problem with with his religious articles, you could just not invite him. But There's the question is, that. should you? I mean, would it be okay as a Catholic? Should you feel funny about inviting him over and then him being in your house? wearing his turban and his his wristband and whatever knowing that these are articles of religion for him again you know this religion is not uh okay it's 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 not uh christian and it's it's a false religion in the sense that it's it's uh a religion that was you know um established by somebody seeking something completely outside of the body of revelation that's not tied to judaism or christianity or anything like that so it's a false religion in that sense but there's nothing in it that is aimed at uh being a rejection of the christian god it's just it doesn't comprehend the christian god right um and personally i wouldn't feel funny about having you know him in my house uh in in that kind of a context okay let me give you another scenario. He comes to your house. He's got his religious garbs. You're playing poker. And suddenly he has a heart attack. Now, you've got the ambulance there. Uh, he, he feels as though he's on the verge of death. And yeah. I don't know, he's reaching for his whatever so that he could say whatever prayers as he prepares oh, to die. Oh, he's got some kind of a, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh... Those articles are not Christian, are not of God, and he's about to, I don't know, use them in some way in prayer, the way we might use a rosary. Um, do you... Give it to him. 
do you give it to him or not? And, yeah. and here's 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 where I would say, um, here's where where I would would kind of uh, approach it with this kind of a calculus. Um, is this a case? You know, you you ask yourself, is this a case where, um, whether he gets the object and you know does the things that he's been trained to do or or that he wants to do is it going to make a difference in the question of his salvation is getting it or not getting it either way going to move him closer to or further from any sense of salvation if the answer is no then my feeling is go for the human comfort and give him his article yeah that's that's my answer. Now I know there are I, people who would give a different answer than that. That that would that would be my answer. I'm trying to think of other scenarios that might crop up. What about what about visiting another place of worship? Oh, like if I'm uh And I'm trying touring, to think of a situation if I'm touring where you India, would do that. Well, let's say you're touring India and um you know, you you see you 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 want to go see, you know, some some temples for the the culture. You want to, or better yet, see the uh, culture. You know, so you, you are you some sort of representative temples. from America, say oh, an like ambassador. A, oh, okay, okay. You're, you're ambassador, from or secretary of state, or something like that. The state of common, uh, un, the state of nonsense, and yeah, you're that's right. I'm, <laughs> you're visiting the state of. Common sense, um, but I have a a temple or whatever there. I pray and and you know in a, in a lot of other countries the religious leaders are also political leaders. So yep, yep, um, that's true. It is somewhat fitting for them to want you to meet them or to put on some kind of photo thing at the at temple. their place of worship, right? Um. And and I guess this is where we this is where it gets a little gray because uh, now we're first we're saying an ambassador or something like that or even a president. Then the next question is, but what about a pope who is not <laughs> just a leader of a state? He's the leader yeah, of a religion of or religion. a bishop, right. something of like that. Right. Right. I well, personally believe it's inappropriate. Yeah, I I kind of think so too. And and in fact that you know the church for a long time has had uh, protocols about various situations like this. And I think I think some of, for example, you brought up some of the the um, antics of uh, uh, John Paul II. Um, you know the the one thing was was uh, you know he. Yeah, he was going in that that mosque or whatever. Another thing was, uh, he received some kind of uh, I don't know weird headdress from I don't know some um, yeah you know tribal juju man or something somewhere. Um, but but the thing is that you know I think he was. I, I mean, I'm sure he felt that that there were good reasons uh, and and even reasons relative to. 
reaching out to the people, um, you know, of these faiths in, in, in the, the spirit of, of perhaps opening dialogue with, with the hope of eventual, you know, bringing them into the Christian fold or whatever. Um, but I think he was maybe breaking some of these protocols that were in place. And I know, for example, another protocol that, that has been in place that was recently uh, done away with under the current uh, pope um, had to do with not visiting, the, not the pope visiting two other places, but when people come and visit the pope. Um, yeah. P- people who are in... Um, uh, I don't know if it was all irregular marriages or if it was just oh, um, okay. those, right. those who had, you know, had like divorced and remarried outside of the church or something like that. But basically people who were in irregular marriages, the Pope would not receive them as a couple. He could receive one. That. He could receive one and then he could receive the other if they both had individual reasons for having an audience with them, but he would not receive them as a couple. Well, Pope Francis did away with this. Um, I did not so, know that. Yeah, yeah, that's and huh. and that's the thing, you know. The 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 and I guess if if you're the head of a religion, um, you kind of have a responsibility to to your followers to think about these things ahead of time and to have protocols right. set up. So that when situations are are coming up, when you get invitations to this and that and the other, your various secretaries know ahead of time, okay, well, he can do this, but he can't do this. Can we arrange this? And, you know, they can arrange appropriate uh, visitation uh, procedures and so forth. When you're talking about a religious leader, um, there's a responsibility, I think, to not validate something against your religion. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's in the same way if um, if if you have kids and one of those kids gets married outside the church and the kid says, "Well, I want to come visit uh, for a few days and I'm bringing my spouse." then you're faced with the decision to allow them to stay in the same room or to say, I'm sorry, you're not married. You can't, you can come visit and you can stay at a hotel, but you can't uh, live that lifestyle in my house because you can't validate it. Right. And that's, that's, that's what we've had to do. In fact, in fact, you know, it's been, well, you can stay in our house in separate rooms um, yeah you know that's and uh that that can cause uh it can cause some resentment um but you know that's that it makes the point it it, it gives you the opportunity to say you know this is what we believe and and you're outside of what we believe right now it's right so but okay. yeah that's that's a good point i well I can't think of anything else to say about all that, but I yeah I'm sure... I, I will say one more thing though. There's this this is something and and uh, you know if some if a certain person listens to our podcast, he may feel like it's targeted and uh, uh, so be it because it kind of is. But uh, in dealing with these things, uh, 
you know, we, we've talked about, you know, what if people are visiting you, you know, what about you going and visiting other people? What, what do you accept and what do you walk into and so on and so forth. But, you know, I feel like the one thing that we should never do is presume to go into somebody else's house and then start laying down the religious law with them. <laughs> Right. Tell them not to do something in their own house. Certainly not. <laughs> if we don't like it, we can we can just avoid visiting them. Uh, but you know that's There's that's something that, that no, no matter how true our religion is, uh, you know, there's uh, you know God Himself has set it up so that 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 people have their own areas, their own spheres of dominion within the places they live and so forth. And, and we don't violate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. All right. I think that's a pretty good I discussion. Think that's good. Um, we hit I a lot have, of different things. Uh, don't know if you have a name for this talk yet. <laughs> I, it'll, I, I'll think of something. Um, I have this huge list of current events. Oh yeah! Current so events. much has happened. Gosh, do we even but have, we, have we missed to talk about week. it all? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's just at least mention some of these things. Um, right. We missed last week, so we did not get a chance to talk about the Green New Deal. <sighs> the Green New Deal. I mean, I you know, I, as far as I can tell, the Green New Deal is... Uh, nothing more than uh, a bunch of, of mixed up uh, democratic propositions that they're trying to uh, gain some kind of popular support by linking it with uh, Roosevelt's New Deal by calling it the Green New Deal. And, yeah. and that it's it doesn't it's not a new deal and it's not even particularly green and it's and most of it's fantasy. You know, this is a weird thing. Maybe I'll even put this in my blog sometime. But this happens all the time. We have a period of Republican, mostly Republican rule, usually through a Republican in the White House, a Republican administration. But, you know, sometimes, you know, if we're lucky, a Republican House and or Senate for a period. And then... Um, Democrats come into some kind of power. Now, in this case, it's it, they didn't even really come into power. They don't have the White House. They, they just they gained you know, a they, small they, advantage they, in the House. They gained a little bit of uh, advantage. Was it the House or the Senate? That, um, <clears throat> but in in uh, so, so, but the thing is, every time they they get a little bit of power and one, it's it almost feels like suddenly. It's a bunch of kids who, you know, are like suddenly given a bunch of responsibilities that that they have no preparation for. That's right. what it feels like whenever Democrats hey, try to do something. We're gonna eat ice cream for dinner. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's that. I mean, it's, it's it's like there, there's there's you know there's there's just this 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 callowness uh, about how they want to go about stuff that. Is just astounding, and that's not not getting into any of the, the moral issues or anything like that. 
It's, it's just the, the silliness of it. it you know, it's like, wait a minute, guys. You're talking about running a country here. Not, yeah. not a, not a, a, uh, you know, a school social club. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, so that's uh, my rant. <laughs> Alexandria Cortez, who uh, was at the head of this deal. Um, yeah. Now she's in New York, and I know, like over a year ago, Amazon was talking about a second headquarters. Uh, Cincinnati was in the running. I, I think we got to the 20 list and then not past that. But we wanted them. Uh, you're talking about thousands of new jobs. Mm-hmm. Tons yep. of money going into the economy. Uh, it, it boosts everything. It's, yeah. You can't think of a way it's bad for an economy for this to happen. Uh, we wanted them. They ended up choosing New York. Now... We're talking about close to $30 billion worth of tax revenue for New York. Mm-hmm. In order to get them, they gave them a $3 billion tax cut. Right. In other right. words, money that they would not have to pay as long as they paid the rest of the money, $30 billion. I mean, this right. is over a 10-year period. Um, Alexandria Opistio cortez said, no way. We're going to take that $3 billion and spend it on other things, and you're not getting a tax cut. (laughs) Which, of course, Amazon said, all right, goodbye. Fine. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Have fun with your $3 billion that doesn't even exist. It's like, like, hey, I've got this car. (laughs) I've got this car for, you know, $5,000 I want to sell you and you're like I'll tell you what I'll give you $4,000 for it (laughs) and I'm like okay and then my sister comes along and says no way we're not going to sell it to you for $4,000 we're going to take that that $1,000 and we're going to do this with it (laughs) you're walking away (laughs) yeah just scratching your head like did this really happen (laughs) Exactly. Is this person serious? <laughs> and how did a person like this get elected to a I, U.S. legislative body? It's insane. Well, what happened, we have to remember, she was running against a guy who had been there forever, and he thought she was not even a consideration. So he wouldn't even debate her. And <laughs> what she... He shouldn't. I mean... Why would he think anything else? Right. She's an idiot. But she somehow gathered a bunch of other millennials and got them to vote for her, and that's how she got into office. Next term, there's no no way she's going to win the next primary, unless the Democrats choose to uh, go ahead and stand behind her. But I don't think that's going to happen at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he'll come back and beat her, but... Who knows? Let's see. We can skip this one. Uh, Kim Jong-un, they're they're scheduled to go to Vietnam on the 25th of February. That's actually, we're recording on the 24th. So that's tomorrow when he's going to get to Vietnam. Uh, There's also uh, Kim Jong-un. Kim Kim Jong-un. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, North Korea. We're, we're meeting them. And on the 25th of February is when they're scheduled to arrive in Vietnam. Okay. I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pouring a, uh, a drink. I'm having a dandruff okay. during this discussion. Okay. Which, by the way, I, sh- I should put a shout out for dandrums. It's a wonderful drink. And it's kind of, you may notice the, uh, 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 What's the word? You may notice that it's kind of close to the word tantrum, but it's actually the opposite of a tantrum because a tantrum is like a, uh, a, a cry of frustration and anger and, and, and so forth, whereas a dandrum is like joy and goodwill and cheer, and it's a... I don't know what you're talking about. I'm pouring myself a drink called a dandrum. A drink is called a dandrum. A dandrum, D-A-N-D-R-U-M, and it's it's an IPA beer, an a, uh, Imperial Pale Ale or India Pale Ale, uh, with a shot of rum. All and right. It's really good. I, so, I'm going to point something out. What's that? And I don't mean for you to take offense. Shut I'm up. having a dandrum. I'm not going to take offense. All right. Um, I notice that the, how do I say this? There's a direct correlation between how geeky a person was growing up to how much they know about alcoholic beverages when they are older. Seriously? You don't notice to, that? You're going to have to... I don't. Everybody I hang out with is kind of geeky. Yeah, and they probably all know a lot about beers and whiskeys and wines, don't they? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what the? I'm telling you, I've noticed this. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so I'm I'm holding true to the. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm kind of in between there, but and and like you know when we have Jay, out of the three of us, Jason was probably the most popular growing up, um, and he will probably. pretend he will pretend okay definitely <laughs> he will pretend to know a lot about all these different beers and stuff, but he really doesn't. And if you hand him a Budweiser, he'll drink that, or if you hand him anything, he'll drink it, and yeah. He does not buy the expensive beers, except when he's going out where it might look, make him look... Oh, he's, it's a... It's a pretentious <laughs> thing. He has to he's act a, like uh, he was a geek, too. He's a poser. Yeah. Jason's a poser when it comes to alcoholic beverages. He'll drink anything with alcohol in it. He'll drink cough yeah. medicine. But it's just something I've noticed over the years. Okay, well, I'm not going to... I certainly am not offended at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so this is kind of weird. Um, there was a summit scheduled between Israel and some Czechoslovakian group in Hungary. It, it involved uh, Hungary, Poland, and uh, Slovakia. Okay. 
It was canceled by Poland because uh, Israel officials' statements on the Holocaust alleged that the the Poles were involved in it. Okay, so alleged... Alleged that Pol- is, uh, so Poland this is like, was somehow responsible for part of the Holocaust. Now, now uh, I mean, that's a... That's a strange thing for... Okay, so who, who, who was... Um, who, who took offense to that? Netanyahu. Oh, um... It's called a, a the Visegrid group, and I don't know personally the I don't know the actual person who made this decision. Because I mean, Poland wasn't Poland part of conquered Nazi territory, right? Yeah, and they were so, occupied. Yeah, I mean, as an occupied power, whatever they did during that time was under occupation. How can you hold that against? How can how can somebody who's Polish today uh, consider that a statement like that to apply to them? That, right. That statement applies to occupied Poland. Right. And it's certainly the Jews, certainly the, the Israelites, understand, not Israelites, the Israelis understand that. I would think so. But I okay. guess maybe somebody misspoke and they need to straighten it out. But this summit that was scheduled has been canceled because of that. Oh my. Wow. Yes. You know, I it is weird and okay. I'm I'm not one of those who who is like um I I I'm not like say for example the Germans they have laws for example saying that uh, say you can't be a Holocaust denier or something like that you know the, I mean it, it gets it, it, it's gotten really kind of weird when it comes to Holocaust stuff I'm not weird one way or the other but I have noticed in in the modern trend and and I don't know who all the players in the summit are I haven't even you know I'm hearing about it from you for the first time. Um, but among the sort of the growing liberal elite around the world, there's kind of this, um, they're kind of making space, uh, to accommodate a certain amount of anti-Semitism. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if that's what's really going on here is that this is really some kind of anti-Semitism that has derailed the summit. Yeah, I I would not uh, if someone told me that I wouldn't be surprised, but I have no idea. It's just kind of an odd thing. It popped up in the news right before you called, as I was going through the news, and I saw that and I thought, wow, that's that's weird. It happened yeah. last week, so or sometime okay. during this week, but uh, right, right, all right, it is what it is. We'll have to look more into it. Uh, we got President Trump starting on the wall uh, with his state of national emergency. Uh, 16 states are suing him to put a stop to it. Uh, I guess we'll just have to let that go through the courts. Which until, states? I don't know. Probably How many California. Uh, I don't even know. 
Are, are they I mean, the states states that most likely benefit from the payoffs of of uh, drug and and human trafficking cartels? I, is it those? Is it those states? I don't know. I I would imagine that um, California's included in there. Um, yeah, it doesn't. Oh, here we go. We got California, Nevada. Uh, what's right north of California? I don't know what the state is. Let's say. Uh, like Oregon or uh, Washington? Yeah, I think it's Oregon. No, not Oh, here we go. Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, and Virginia. Those are the 16. Yeah. Well, some of them are just doing it just because they're going to do that to anything Trump ties, tries to do. Yeah. I think all... Actually, I think all of them are. That, that, <laughs> that could be. That, it could be that there's not a single bit of, of uh, actual uh, principle behind any of their uh, objections. Right. The, the big two who aren't, who it would affect the most, it looks like, is Arizona and Texas. Oh, they are not protesting it. Right. Well, maybe they're the ones who, you know... I think they're the the ones who get hit hardest by... uh, Soldiers on the ground, they're the ones who know the reality. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm surprised about New Mexico, though. I kind of am, too. Um, But I, I... I would bet that it's not like a unanimous thing there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, let's see, we got Rod Rosenstein stepping down. Who cares? Oh! Yeah. Payless Shoes firing, filing uh, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Who They're is? They're going to close all their stores. Payless Shoes. Payless? No kidding. Yeah. Payless and Pickway. Remember growing up? That's where we went. Yep, that's where all of our shoes came from. Yeah, they now were all junk. Shoe but... yeah, they were. I mean, they were. They were the shoes. They, the place you stopped on your way out to your prom to buy that nice shiny pair of shoes that you wore that one time. Yeah, or the gym Pro- probably shoes that girls... we wore every day because oh, that's yeah. what we could afford. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 it's been a long time since I've been in a, a Payless or a Pickway. Um, I, I get most of my shoes at uh, probably Shoe Carnival. Now, actually, yeah, Shoe Carnival, because they always have the buy one, get one half off yeah. kind of thing. I get mine um, from Goodwill. From where? Goodwill. Oh. Oh, yeah, a, well, <laughs> you know, I you might be getting higher quality shoes Goodwill. than I get. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I just got a leather jacket from Goodwill for 25 bucks. Real leather? Yeah. It's replacing wow. my 20-year-old leather jacket that I've been wearing forever. Wow. We'll yeah, see Goodwill's, how long this one lasts. Goodwill's a good place. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, lots of people donate, you know, all various quality of stuff there, but, but Goodwill's yeah. mission is a good mission. It's basically to provide jobs. got things to say about that but i'm not gonna say it here okay well that's fine <laughs> <laughs> i i you know i always wonder about because i 
have donated things to Goodwill, and I always look up places before I donate to them, and I looked at their mission to provide jobs. Basically. I'll say that's this. Their, that's their mission. Look at Goodwill's money flow compared to St. Vincent like, de Paul. Yeah, but St. Vincent de Paul has a different mission. Yeah. You're right. I, mean, I did Good, not know that was St. Vincent de Paul is to serve the poor. Goodwill is to provide jobs. That's their that's their mission. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Their service is to the people who are working in the stores. Yeah. So if and you look at it from that... Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, Bernie Sanders, he's going to run. This should be fun. To be honest, I thought he was the only one who had a chance to beat Trump in 16. Yeah, but he's such a rampant socialist. I I know, but look, Alexander uh, Cortez. Honestly, I, 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 I oh gosh, what is it with with America's like modern? Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's like a, a, a fascination with socialism. I don't know, but I like a lot of them don't even know what socialism is they it's like an infatuation yeah you know they think that uh social justice is socialism they equate the two Mm -hmm. and i guess really i guess they are uh very much alike but um they they don't understand what socialism is most of them a lot of millennials out there, you say socialism, to them that means uh, fighting social injustice. I, I don't think most millennials know what socialism is. Like, they think uh, Sweden and Denmark are socialists. Oh, yeah. They don't, they don't get it. So people like Bernie Sanders comes out and says I'm a socialist. They think, oh yeah, it's going to be like Denmark. I, I don't. Yeah. I, you, you just got to pray that you know some of them just kind of grow up. In but the next you know the thing years. is, you, you ask people to explain, like, ask anybody. It's just kind of the, the popular crowd, you know, normal people that you might meet. You ask them to explain what they think socialism is, how it works. And you won't find somebody who describes a system that sounds like it was designed for real human beings. I mean, every description I've ever heard of how a socialist system should work, you know, by proponents of socialism, sounds like it's invented for some alien race that that has no real connections to to actual human beings and human needs and human behaviors and human motivations and so forth or history or history yeah I I don't know what I don't know why it's it's really kind of a weird phenomenon right now and we gotta pray that it that it doesn't go too far and uh, I was glad to see uh, Trump speak against it in his State of the Union address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
hey, here's something. The Supreme Court, this is a unanimous decision, ruled that the Eighth Amendment uh, applies to local and state governments. This is the prohibition on, of excessive fines and charges. One of these things that sort of uh, it flows into is um, the local government's ability to take people's property when they catch them in a crime. Oh, okay. And part of it is that they found out, I mean, the, the, the story that I read is that most local governments rely on confiscated property. As part of their uh, their income, right? Huh? And I I've heard I never stories. That. Uh, I was listening to uh, one of our local guys here in Cincinnati. He was talking about this uh, case where the DEA had had found someone with a suitcase full of cash and mm-hmm. had. Uh, What's that word when the government seized it, has had seized it, right? Um, because in their opinion, he shouldn't have had all that cash. Uh, but he hadn't done anything wrong. He had taken it out of the bank, and for whatever reason, he had it. And yeah. it took him uh, like a year to get it back. And when he did get it back, he didn't get it all back. Gosh. And uh, little things like that happening. I. Uh, they had that on the radio, so other people were calling in. And there was a guy who lived in Butler County. His he didn't know it at the time. His daughter was doing heroin, so they busted his house, and um, they seized like sixty thousand dollars worth of firearms. And uh, oh. he finally got a court order to get them back. And yeah. he went, and they had sold them. Oh, wow. For like a couple thousand. So, man, this Supreme Court case will affect these kinds of things. It will give people maybe the opportunity to seek Justice. relief. Yeah. Yeah, just so, so it might not stop the habits initially, but people... Can use this uh, decision to cite lawsuits against the uh, localities after the fact, right? Uh, for for re- reimbursement, re- you know, remuneration, right? For basically restitution. I think in this specific case, uh, a guy had like a an SUV, and the crime he had uh, been charged with and convicted of was was like selling. Like two or three hundred dollars worth of heroin, and mm-hmm. they had taken his SUV. It was like a, you know, it was an expensive car, almost brand new, and they took yeah. it. And so he won. And I, I don't know what that means for him, but uh, I think it's a pretty good thing. Okay. Okay. So. So they ruled that the Eighth Amendment applies to 
state and local governments, I'm, I'm reading the words of it. It simply says, excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. It doesn't even give, you know, it's not like the First Amendment that says, Congress shall make no law, uh, which yeah. the wording of the amendment itself limits its scope to Congress, even though various Supreme Court decisions have broadened its scope you know, in ways that are inappropriate. This one doesn't have a limited scope. Why would anybody have ever thought that this doesn't apply to local governments? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it, I think they were just doing their thing no matter what, and you're dealing with criminals who uh, were more worried about probably staying out of trouble instead of protecting their property. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just always been the case. Yeah. Okay, well, that is big. Unanimous, too, huh? Yeah, that's good. Well, good, good. Uh, we got Putin, I don't know, puffing his chest or whatever. He said he's ready for a Cuban missile-style crisis. Because um, <laughs> we, were, we were putting missiles in Europe. Um, oh. Whatever, dude. <laughs> He wants to. He wants to. Whatever. He wants to play the role of JFK. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Hey, no, uh, you know I don't what? think that's gonna work. Obama's not running things anymore, and neither is Hillary. So uh, no, no. <laughs> I don't whatever. think he's. I don't think he's gonna gonna face down uh, Trump. <laughs> no. So we got that Jesse Smollett thing. The false oh. hate crime report. Uh, I just don't care about that. You know, the thing is, though, he's not a kid. You know, no, he he's is? not. He's, he's like 37. He's... Yeah. But uh, we all keep calling him kid. I keep calling him a kid. But he's not. Oh, well. Hmm. Uh, that That lady from Alabama who joined ISIS, I think, um, she wanted to get back in the U.S. and we won't let her. Oh, that, uh... Hoda yeah. Muthana or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. Yep, yep. She... That's good. <laughs> why should Why should they let her? <laughs> right. No way. You go, go live in your Islamic state. Yep. See how much yep. you like it there. Yep. Uh, and you know what? If, you, if, you, if you're really, uh, uh, you know, repentant, um... Report back Islam. Renounce Islam and report back the reality of living there. Spend your time there and report back and tell people what it's really like. That's how you can make up for, you know. Yeah. So, this, uh, let's see, we've we've discovered a new species of Tyrannosaur. I don't think we have pictures of it yet. I don't think... Uh, somewhere in Utah they found it um, it's not a Tyrannosaurus Rex it's another kind of Tyrannosaur and huh. uh, I guess I wonder how they could know I, I guess it because it's not a Rex well I know uh-huh. but but I, I did I mean I I didn't think Tyrannosaurus Rex was like a genus and a species I thought it was just Okay. I, well, me too. There's this big kind I of dinosaur. Call them all Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> that tells me that 
it is a specific species, and they've oh. discovered another kind, and it'll be interesting to see what those are. Unless yeah, it's going to end up like the Brontosaurus. What do you mean end up like? It's a fake. What do you mean the There's no Brontosaurus. Right. So what's it? They're all just Brachiosaurs? I guess so. But there is no Brontosaurus. Huh. That was my favorite, I never knew too. that. When did, you, when did you find that out? A couple years ago. All right, I gotta go read my dinosaur. Stuff. It's been a long yeah. time since I've read anything about dinosaurs. <laughs> um, I used to know everything about them. Apparently, everything I knew was wrong. You, you thought you knew a lot about them. <laughs> the 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 second brain in the back. Remember that? Yeah, they had yeah, a walnut-sized brain. Uh huh. They had they to have a second, second brain. one to to help control that half of their body. They or something. were so big. Yeah. So, uh, we've got uh, Japan's sent a space probe out, and they have successfully landed on an asteroid. Oh, cool. I don't know if they're bringing the Anything probe back, back or uh-huh. if it's just, just going to sit there and data, take... Stuff like yeah, that. I guess we'll find out. Um, wow. Well, looking forward to that. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Let's see. R. Kelly uh, is a musician. And, or, uh, he's kind of a rapper, but um, mm-hmm. he, well, he's R&B. He's he been, was uh, yeah, raping a minor. And oh, I guess is that what it was? He's got he's got some other stuff going on too. So I don't know. I only know one song that he did, and that was the Ignition remix, uh, which I oh. like, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess he's not going to be making music much more. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, that's all I got. Okay. Uh, well. Got anything from the land of nonsense? The land of nonsense. Okay, do you know what a do-rag is? Do-rag, rag, rag. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, do-rag, rag, rag, do-do-rag, rag. Yeah. No, uh, uh, Billy used to wear them. Um, they're those uh, kind of headband things that they think of the neckerchief except it's worn like over the head yeah okay uh, so yeah there's there's a in I Pasadena make some of the, I have some tie-dye ones oh okay well then you need to not sell them in uh, Pasadena California right. um a dress code there um bands do rags at the school uh John Muir High School in Pasadena California Okay. All right. Just whatever. For a gang thing, maybe. I, who knows why they did? But it makes sense to me. Okay. You know, everybody looks somewhat uniform in a school. Let's have a dress code. Yeah. Don't need people wearing these do rags and and whatever. Uh. So, a uh, group of uh, black kids are protesting it and staging walkouts because they're saying it. The the dress code criminalizes this is the quote black young men uh from so this is from chris lindahl reggie miles of the black student union uh quote the main reason we're protesting today is because we're trying to stop the criminalization of black uh men on campus so apparently apparently um 
wearing one of these do-rags is part of what it means to be black. If they don't have the do-rag on, they're no longer black. And in order to be black, they have to put the do-rag on, but the do-rag's out of regs for the dress code, so it's criminal to be a black young man. That, that must be their logic. I can't think of any other so logic. So if I wore a tie-dye do-rag, I'd be like a poser. You'd be you'd be like a poser. Yeah. And and if huh. if uh, if your black friend did not wear a do rag, he wouldn't really be black. He would be a poser. He would be a poser, a white poser instead of yeah. a black guy. So the only way to be truly authentically black is to wear a do rag. Apparently, according to Reggie Miles, the Black Student Union at John Muir High School in Pasadena, California. All right, stuff Look, you did not know if, before. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I... Look, they're high school kids. I don't care what the cause was. If they said, we're going to do a walkout or a protest, I'm all in. In high school. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. it doesn't like matter that, what right? you're protesting. Yeah. We're, we're protesting book bags. And, you know, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in. Yeah, let's walk out. <laughs> let's not do school today. Especially at Hughes, right? Yeah. I, well, actually, anywhere. But I, I think that's, yeah, that's really, good. you know, it's kind of stupid that the press would, that anyone would give it any attention. But, yeah, I know. Uh, oh well, well. <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, we're, we're going to stage our monthly walkout. Uh, what's the reason this month? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so in North Carolina, uh, you know how uh, everybody's been going wonky over, uh, you know, statues and stuff. You know, oh, you have a statue of somebody who's, you know, whose wife was the cousin of uh, a guy who, you know, was once uh, mean to a black man. Let's tear the statue down, you know, whatever. Um, So, you know, Robert E. Lee in the South, uh, you know, big thing. Um, So... In North Carolina, um, uh, these uh, people um, set fire to a statue honoring uh, U.S. Army Major General William C. Lee, who commanded the 101st Airborne Division Screaming Eagles during World War II. Uh, He was doused with liquid and set fire um, at a... uh, Museum. Apparently, apparently, his sin was having the same last name as General Robert E. Lee. (laughs) I think. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it didn't really do much to the statue. It's a stone statue. They just threw some flammable liquid and lit it. (laughs) But it's like, okay, you know, these kinds of protests. Yeah, you know. these kinds of movements are are uh, are good for something. They at least show you, you know, where where the brain power of the country does not reside. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. So that's that's something. And then uh, last one, just kind of creepy, but but weird. Uh, kid got guy in South Carolina came home from work one day. And he found a woman and two children in his home. The woman was wearing the guy's wife's clothes, 
and they had used the bathtub. The furniture had been rearranged that she had been smoking in his house. I guess he's not a smoker. Uh, the kids had made themselves at home. One of them didn't even have any pants on. She swore up and down that she lived there. Uh, when the, you know, the, the guy called the cops, when the cops came, she answered the door and said, can I help you? Did she of course, know him at all? No. No, complete stranger. She, she was arrested and taken to a hospital for, for evaluation and examination. The children were put in, in, uh, um, you know, in child care, uh, you know, the huh. protect, protective custody services and stuff. That's really um, weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's just bizarre. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't maybe, imagine maybe. that. What would you do if you came home and, and there's just someone in your house? Terry was still at work, but there's this woman yeah. there. What if she's Wearing better looking clothes. than your wife? Mm-hmm. It's like, who are you? <laughs> what if she was like younger and stuff? I don't know. Maybe she thought he'd go for it. <laughs> I don't know, but you know she had two kids too. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's like this guy, you know, probably wasn't ready to be a dad. It doesn't say that he had any children of his uh, own. Wife. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He he looks like a young kid himself, so he was probably oh, very okay. un, unprepared for the situation. Um, it that would scare how, the daylights out of me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, wouldn't even I mean, know what to do. I would think, "Am I going nuts? Did I? I, I think I was married to someone." Did I else. wake up? Did, did I just wake up from the Matrix or something? Or, yeah. or is this like a? Uh, That's a red um, pill moment there. A red pill moment, or or no? I'm thinking of the uh, the the uh, Philip K. Dick story. The uh, um. With the guy, his family that uh, Keanu Reeves was in it, the the cartoonized one. Oh, uh, Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly. That's right. That, okay. it, that, I would feel like it was was it that kind of a moment, you know? Yeah. Who <clears throat> am I? Uh, but you know, okay. Here's the thing. I would have been so scared that I was going nuts. I would have waited till my real wife got home to deal with it. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted to deal with that. But I know Vicky would have started kicking some ass. <laughs> but the thing is, then she then she gets to ask you. Why were you just letting this go? I thought it was you, I swear. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> that's okay, unusual. that's all I got. <laughs> okay, you know what? We Oh, I did get an email from someone. Uh, wanted to know something. Uh, uh-huh. Teresa from Ohio. Oh, okay. Uh, she, she had thought she had heard that you should try to take communion hold on let me turn this off you should try to take communion under both species the bread and wine otherwise it's like rejecting part of Christ Uh, she had heard that okay or she thought she heard it okay so first of all uh, a few things Uh, Teresa um, you should not take communion ever. You should only receive communion. Um, all right, that's a nitpicky thing, but in fact, we should she understand. She may have that... said receive. I didn't read okay, it. I was just... well. All right. 
<laughs> but that's, that's a pet peeve with mine when people talk about taking communion. But no, you don't take communion. You receive it. Yeah. Anyway, so now there is a uh, an actual uh, document. I don't know if it's from the Council of Trent or if it's from Pope Pius V directly, but... Um, it's a document of the church that deals with the question of receiving only under uh, the form of bread. Um, and it explicitly says, if anybody says that it is not fully beneficial to receive communion uh, in the form of bread alone, and, and I forget exactly the wording they use there, but basically <laughs> saying, hey, if, if, if anybody tries to say that communion is not fully received and fully expeditious when received under the, the form of bread alone, uh, then uh, he's wrong. Let him be anathema and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Basically, right. uh, we completely reject the idea that you have to receive under both kinds. And the theology behind this is that while it's necessary for the priest to receive as the celebrant of mass under both the uh, the form of bread and the form of wine um the 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 separate consecration of the bread and the wine as this is my body and this is my blood creates a symbolic state of death so it symbolizes the state of death on the, of christ on the cross the separation of the body and blood the body's here the blood's here and and when the body and blood are separate you have death and so that symbolizes death, and then the, the priest's reception of both the bread and the wine together reunites them inside the body of the priest who's also acting in the person of Christ, representing the resurrection of Christ as well. Now, that's symbolically. The reality of the Holy Eucharist is such that the bread entirely all by itself and the wine entirely all by itself, each one and any piece, particle, or fragment of either one after consecration is the entirety of the person of Jesus, his full human person, body, blood, and soul, and or his full human nature, body, blood, and soul, and his divine nature, divinity, two natures in one person, uh, completely there, uh, received in, in either form. Now, the rule of the church, and I, I, I could maybe do some research on the theology of, of why this is a rule, but the rule of the church is that um, you're, uh, you're not allowed to receive just from the cup, uh, ignoring the body. But you are allowed to receive uh, the form of bread and ignore the cup. I, I think that's a rule of discipline, not a rule having to do with the theology of, um, you know, of, of what the Eucharist is or the real presence or anything like that. But both the theology of the real presence and this statement from either the Council of Trent or I think Pope Pius V, one or the other, uh, makes it very clear that absolutely it's completely appropriate to receive just from the in the uh, the form of bread, and there's no reason to feel like like there's some kind of requirement to receive under both species uh, in order to fully have received communion. So I hope that answers your question, Teresa. 
I think um, that um, it reminds me of an argument that uh, you and I and a Baptist were having about uh, his claim was that you could receive Christ spiritually and not physically uh, in the Eucharist. And you had pointed out to him that the body, the blood, and the soul, and the divinity of Christ cannot be separate things. You cannot receive Christ spiritually and not receive him physically. Ah, because they right. are they are all the same in it one. doesn't make sense to yeah yeah you can you can receive his grace you can receive the grace of God and the grace that Christ won for you on the cross into your soul uh, like we do in the sacrament of confession uh, but right. to fully unite with him spiritually we also have to unite with him bodily because Christ is risen and his spirit is not separate from his body anymore nor his blood from his body nor his blood from his body exactly right right yeah good point good point all right i think that's it we okay got wow two hours. that was a long was one a long i know one. Yeah. okay <laughs> hope, well, no hope more everybody has uh, stayed with us that oh gosh i know no we... more cruises <laughs> well you know what it wasn't the cruise. It was it was my wife's sickness after the cruise right, that, that really right. put the kibosh. I mean, and I know I understand that. Okay, go get in bed and 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 I'll leave you alone. But it wasn't like that because she had been coughing so much, her throat was raw, and it's like every fifteen minutes I have to bring her a popsicle, and I'm not going to make her go all the way downstairs into the garage for the popsicles. So anyway, okay. Well, next week. Hopefully uh, nothing will happen, and uh, yeah. we'll record next week, and we'll see you next week. All right. So thanks see for everybody. listening to a podcast. Circle the beads. Oh yeah, circle the beads. We Jason All and right. I mentioned that. I put it on the website too. Circle okay, the beads. Okay, good. Absolutely. All right. Bye everyone. We'll see you next.